Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors, as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder-friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital, or you are looking to get your company acquired, or just need some sound financial planning, and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com, or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a founder that is quite a, a dealmaker himself. I mean, he's done a lot of transactions uh, and very exciting ones, and, and and really big transactions too. So I think that without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest, Rene Rechtman. Welcome to the show today. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So Rene, originally born and raised in Copenhagen. So how was life growing up there? Oh, that's a wonderful place. It's a very safe place. So, you know, happy childhood. Uh, but it's a small place. So if you're born in a place like Copenhagen, you are very, very keen uh, to, to, to look out uh, towards London, towards America, towards Asia. You kind of know that it's a good platform, but you need to, to look more out to, to achieve your ambitions. And obviously a traditional background. So obviously the path forward for you would have been like, like for me, you know, also traditional in Spain and background as well, either a lawyer or a banker. So I'm sure that now looking back, you're probably thinking like, wow, I can't believe that, that I'm right now where I'm at, you know, doing what I love as an entrepreneur. Yeah, you're completely right. I think, you know, my, my parents uh, were always pushing me uh, to become a doctor. I think that's culturally related from their background. And, uh, and they always said that if, you know, you, you, you choose not to be a doctor, at least be a lawyer, right? So, uh, no, I knew uh, very early on that I would not be a doctor or a lawyer. But quite frankly, I was convinced that I would work in the diplomacy. Uh, I loved political science. I loved, uh, I loved uh, uh, microeconomics. So it was always in my cards that that was the direction. But uh very quickly, I found out after my bachelor, before I went in and, 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 and took my master, when I was a trainee in the European Commission, that, holy Moses, this is definitely not for me. Uh, it was just too cold, too political, too bureaucratic. So when I came back after my, my trainee and took my master's, I thought I need to go more commercial. So that's why I kind of specialized in policymaking, economics, and, and, and the media industry. Got it. And obviously, your your first job was in, was in TV in the planning department. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not a full time. It was uh, in the end of my studies. I worked in the planning department of the National Danish Broadcaster under the COO, and 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 I was doing I think back then what's called Lotus presentations. Uh, it was before Excel and and PowerPoints. 
uh, quite fun, uh, very different from commercial TV when you are a, a, a public service broadcaster. But it was fun, and I got you know a good feeling of of what it meant to 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 yeah be a broadcaster. And then I guess hey, this was now your it was going to be your first time really exposed to to startups. No, after this, not long after, and this was with folks that, uh, you know, included like the universe of Body Shop and stuff like that. Was this CSSE? Yeah, you know, it was, but it was it was my second step. So my, my first full-time job uh, after uni was in a local uh, uh, department of Hill & Knowlton, uh, the PR and communications uh, uh, company called KS Consult. And um, and that was where, where, where I took my first kind of, I felt them very entrepreneurial steps, but they won't because it was always a established company. But it was so small with like eight, ten employees, and you got these big international clients, and that was phenomenal. I was just, you know, thriving, trying to build relationships to these clients. And then after two years, I I did my first proper entrepreneurial thing uh, by joining. Uh, um, forces with a couple of CXX from uh, uh, that time Body Shop uh, to build a, a management consultancy focusing on strategy and uh, uh, sustainability. Yeah. At this point there, Rene, I mean, we're talking about the late 90s. So I would assume that the startup ecosystem there in Europe was uh, almost non-existent. Uh, for sure. And uh, uh, imagine that plus uh, uh, anything to do with sustainability and the triple bottom line. It was like a handful of companies globally were focusing on that, right? Yeah. So, I, so mean, um, I, I can't even imagine, Rene, the conversation with your parents. Not only you didn't become a doctor, but now you're going into startups. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. But I, 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 I did uh, comfortable them uh, with, with, with telling them that I might take a, a, a business PhD. Uh, on the side while doing that so so you know at least there was a doctor uh, uh, a degree out there it was not in medical uh, but it was in business and i never finished that by the way uh, it was never my interest but <laughs> okay. but at least they they felt uh, there was something good in my life happening well the good news is that cssc got a, a really nice outcome it was acquired by kpmg yeah, I would say even before we started, uh, uh, for real, we had a, a handful of clients and then KPMG management took it over. Uh, it wasn't what I call a, a, a great outcome. It's it's more what you call an aqua hire. Correct. Uh, but still, um, it, was, it was my first uh, understanding of a, a startup ecosystem that you can actually go and, and, and build something and, and, and someone bigger might take you because you are either uh, ahead of them from a product point of view or you're taking clients away yeah. right so so that was quite fascinating uh i didn't want to be part of that so i i, I decided to go there was always back in london so i decided to go back to copenhagen and uh, very non-entrepreneurial i got headhunted into a, a, a private equity or, or or financial holding called incentive on that time, was one of the biggest uh, investors in coffee brewing uh, uh, industry and cleaning equipment industry. Of course, it was it made sense back then, and with the thesis that those two industries will grow very fast going forward. Got it. And I worked in a SWAT, in SWAT team there, very non-entrepreneurial, but it was phenomenal learning uh, uh, in that period, that short period of time that I spent there. 
So what was what was your biggest learning then about making deals? So I was not the deal maker. I worked in the post deal making team uh, in a SWAT team, going out either uh, to to integrate companies that were acquired or uh, yeah, restructure companies who didn't do well. Uh, and the first part is always more fun than the second part. Um, the big learning uh, very much was that holding companies uh, working out of, uh, of, of headquarters far away from, from the operation uh, often have a big gap of reality. And we had the same thing. You know, sitting in a headquarter in Copenhagen and thinking that you can control uh, uh, distribution companies, production companies uh, around the world without being close to them is a big mistake. Big, big mistake. I can give you an, a, a, a fun example. We acquired a big German family office in the cleaning equipment industry. Um, and on our first integration day, um, <laughs> One of the, the family members and, 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 um, and leaders of the company took me aside and told me a little joke that I have never forgot. He told me, listen, Rene, don't come here far away from, from, from reality and tell us you're here to help. <laughs> right? Um, because, quite frankly, there's two big lies that you need to be aware of that I don't believe in. The first one is, I'm from headquarter, I'm here to help. The second one is when you tell your wife that you never kissed any other girls. Um, and, uh, and I thought he, he, he came across with some very valid points. If you want to come and, 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 and do a difference, you need to have hands-on. You need to understand the clients. You need to understand the DNA of the companies. And you need to be there and get your hands dirty. And I think that's a very important learning. And the second one, in the same, in the same experience, we had a big distribution business in, uh, in, in coffee brewing in, in, in the UK. And um, we implemented this exceptionally expensive uh, um, software system where we could follow sales leads. I mean, this is pre-Salesforce and, and pre-big internet uh, uh, SaaS solutions, right? Um, where we could follow sales leads and, and we could follow pricing, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera cost us millions to build, and I don't know how long time. And when you did get out and go with the regional uh, distribution people and you sit down and you say, why are you not using the system, right? We gave you these expensive uh, uh, laptops to plug in and, and you have systems in your cars now. These people didn't even know how to open a laptop. They didn't even know what a computer was. So far away from the market is not healthy. Wow. So that was a wake-up call for me. And at the same time, it was the, the, the late 90s where the first big uh, bubble uh, started, the internet bubble. So for me, it was natural to, to say, you know what? This was a great learning. Let me do something else. And I had a great CEO of the, the financial holding. He said, listen, Rene, if I was in your age, uh, I will go as well. Got it. And obviously, so that was, this, this triggered yeah. you on the spare time, you know, started you know, to, to obviously see what's going on in the, in the tech world, because obviously it was, it was booming. I mean, at the same time, you know, it was crashing, right? It was the, the dot-com, you know, right, right around the time. But you had a Swedish friend that made a, a very good introduction uh, that took place in Stockholm. Uh, and this was with, with two brothers and also their father. So what happened here? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 true. It's it it was actually a Danish banker that I met in London, uh, who worked for a Swedish bank. He said, "Hey, Renee, uh, I know you are you you you're getting involved more and more in the startup environment. This was ninety eight, ninety nine. Um, I really want you to meet these two Swedish guys uh, who are lovely and they have this great idea. And I think somebody like you could be very helpful." So uh, I got introduced to, to, to Martin Lorenzon and Felix. Uh, and um, yeah, the, the, the Christmas holidays were, were coming up. So I took a train from, from Copenhagen up to Stockholm. And I think I met Martin at his brother's apartment. And then Felix's dad, who was kind of the person who started financing the business, uh, in my in my first interaction with the two founders, uh, this was of course pre everything, uh, and I didn't really understand what what the business model they were trying to sell me, but I really liked the two guys. I thought, oh my god, they they are they are so different, and they are so nice, both of them, um, and I could definitely see myself doing something fun with them. So a couple of months later and a couple of trips for Martin down to Copenhagen to visit me and staying on my couch uh, in my flat, um, I joined the business. And uh, to be quite frank, uh, uh, it, was, it was a very, 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 very wonderful and also lucky uh, uh, seven years where we built something uh, phenomenal uh, into 19 market. It was basically a performance-based uh, uh, media tech business. Um, and and we IPO'd it wow. uh, on OMX in, in Stockholm very successfully. And um, it was probably the second largest uh, um, exit um, at that time in Europe. And, you know, I was, um, I was very virgin to all this. All of us were. Yeah. We didn't really understand the ecosystem. It wasn't as developed as it at this time was in Silicon Valley. Um, so it was all new. We, we were about to basically start creating the ecosystem. Just to give you an example, one thing Martin did after this was go and finance and start Spotify, right? Which is phenomenal. And Jacob, who, who was also part of, of this first group of people who built Trader, but did I settle? So you suddenly have this new environment starting in Europe. Where, where a few successful companies uh, um, are doing their first exits and, you know, without any planning, without any consideration, there's an ecosystem starting. And there was very few VCs and there was very few investors in the market. So we all kind of knew each other after that uh, uh, first uh, uh, um, trip that I had from, from Greenfield to, to exit. And... You know, consequently, all of us, uh, you know, started new companies, which was fantastic. And what I did was I was contacted by two Danes in London. I was living in London at that time. And uh, they say, hey, you should join us. We have this idea to create, a, you know, a viral video business. This was, you know, when video was still not the most normal thing on the Internet. YouTube was just started a, a year, a year and a half before. But, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't mainstream yet. Um, and I thought, oh, my God, that's a great idea. You know, can I invest in it? And Klaus, who was one of the, the, the two uh, founders, told me, no, 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 Renee, I need you to, to, to join us and to help us build it. We don't have technology. We, we, we really want to create something 
that is scalable. So you know, and I guess just 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 to um to back up a little bit here, what in 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 for example in this case, you know, what did you think that made the idea great, and how can we generalize that to other ideas? What make ideas great? So uh, that's that's a key question. Um, so I think there's you know the the question could also be you know what makes it interesting what makes this you know great is not only the idea but it's also the people so if you think back on 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 trade doubler even though i didn't understand the fundamental business that martin and felix wanted to to build what i did understand was two things one that they wanted to create a global scalable business that basically could make money while you and i sit and do something else right when people were clicking on links uh, we could make money. That was smart, right? It was scalable. And the second thing was, I really liked Felix and I really liked Martin, right? I could see myself become friends with them and we could really go through uh, good and bad together and, 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 and fight to create a great business. It was exactly the same thing. Uh, and by the way, and then it was early, right? At that time, people were still only searching for things on the internet. Nobody was really doing transactions. It was just about to happen. And it was obvious because technology enabled uh, us to do more than just searching on, on the internet and sending emails. It was kind of giving us the opportunity slowly to do uh, commerce. So that was clear for me, that combination. When it came to go viral, it was similar. So it's very clear for me in the end of my, my, my time at Trade Dobber that the internet again, was in a new development phase where the broadband came in, internet got quicker, and suddenly people would do any other things than search or buy. They would also start entertaining themselves. So that was very clear for me. At the same time, I really like uh, uh, Klaus uh, and, 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 and uh, the other co-founder, Jimmy, who are both my, my dear friends today. and um, and then. It was almost obvious, right? Uh, great team, great opportunity. Yeah. Sorry. Rene, I, th I think it's really interesting here because you say here, obviously, you connected super well with, um, you know, here with the founders of, uh, of Go Viral, with your co-founders there, but then also with the Swedish guys in, in Trade Doubler. So what do you think, you know, are the, fun the fundamental building blocks of that incredible connection that happens between you and them to really say, these guys are the ones I'm going on in this ship with these guys. Yeah, so, so I think there's, there's three elements, right? And I will just sum, sum up the three elements I think are important. One, that you need to see that there is a market uh, for the product. Of course, you need to go and build it to, 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 to get it verified, but at least you need to see that there's some trend here that you can jump on. Right, it's almost like going out surfing or, or, or body surfing. You can kind of see something happening out there, and you need to to start getting ready. Um, and then I think the team that you go and try to build a business with is is Alpha Omega. I mean, you you're gonna be together with this team more than you do with your friends and your family, right? Yeah. And it's not a nine to five thing. This is a seven day thing and it's 24 seven. So yeah, you need to find that, that, that chemistry and that trust. And I think maybe uh, trust is, is almost the, the most important thing. And you need to kind of find your own role and the co-founder's role. What is it that we can do together? 
what is the, the difference between us? How can we contribute uh, to this common uh, cause? Uh, and that that combined with uh, that I, as a person, uh, just think life is too short not to work or spend time with good people and nice people is what I'm looking for. You know, if, if, if any of these people were geniuses but assholes, I wouldn't be close to them. Yeah, you know, and here in, in, in Go Viral, what you guys developed was um, a really incredible uh, digital content distribution company, and you actually build it up into into quite a quite a meaningful business because in fact this ended up uh, getting acquired so uh so why did you guys i mean obviously here there's no vcs no nothing you know is is four partners really uh why did you guys decide you know is the time to do an acquisition yeah so uh, the first thing we did was um one of the we were four partners one of the partners uh actually the guy with the original idea belder he 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 wanted to to leave the business Things were moving too fast when we started building technology and really doubled down in technology. And, and, and um, we started looking at a much more global perspective of what we wanted to do. Things were going too fast for him. So we bought out him. So we were three partners. And then we resold some of our shares to uh, 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 Michael Elias uh, from, from, from Kenneth, which was a, a growth company. So we were four partners, um, and the big discussion we had in the board um, and among us uh, was very much, hey, um, should we go full scale into the U.S.? We're already covering U.S. from a distribution point of view, but we didn't have boots on the ground. We had big, big global clients uh, that we work uh, from both Asia and the U.S., and we have different risk profiles. Uh, I had uh, done exit before, so my risk profile was, of course, high. Um, but we were also, you know, very respectful of each other. So um, either we had to go in and, 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 and probably invest a lot of money. We were very profitable at that time, by the way. But still, to, to go full in uh, in the U.S. with, with boots on the ground, uh, it's, a, it's a major commitment, both uh, resource-wise human-wise and, and also time-wise. And, um, and we were kind of debating that. And at the same time, we had uh, a different inbound uh, request from, uh, from potential partners, as they call themselves, but really buyers, uh, which were traditional and digital uh, uh, U.S. media companies. Um, and suddenly we had these opportunities. Should we do it or should we partner? With, with, with one of these uh, um, one of these companies who are reaching out to us, and, and that's so then, that's how the, the 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 whole acquisition with 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 AOL started. So Tim Armstrong, who who was leading it, uh, leading the new AOL, um, was first of all very ambitious, had a very strong vision, and um, and yeah, he convinced us that was the right thing to do. And How did he come into the picture? How do you guys connect with him? So it was one of his uh, soldiers, his officers, uh, who reached out. Uh, she wanted to, um, she wanted to uh, uh, go into video, and she wanted to build a global business. And uh, she introduced us to to Tim. Uh, Tim wanted to build a global business um, and a video business. 
Um, and that's 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 how we 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 got introduced, and then we probably flirted for for six months, um, and then uh, the conversation went into a concrete uh, uh, offer on our business. Got it. And obviously, this was a one hundred million dollar acquisition, so a very good outcome for the four partners without like having a significant institutional investor uh, players on the table. Uh, but I guess that here you learned quite a bit when it comes to vesting and resting, especially as to how you negotiate that. So tell us about this. Yeah, so I think I think uh, my my first learning the hard way was a trade offer. Um, I have to admit I didn't understand, you know, what dilution means and 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 you know preferred shares and and and. All these things that that today is is common knowledge in the whole industry, but also every founder, even first time founders, uh, uh, know everything about. So I learned the hard way when we IPO trade up. Uh, so this time uh, there was no such thing. We all equal partners. We all had uh, common shares, and we were controlling the company uh, uh, completely, and we could do whatever we wanted with the company. So it was a cash deal. Uh, no strings attached, um, and uh, again to to Tim Armstrong's credit, and 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 actually a guy called Ned Brody that worked for him, uh, they were very aggressive. They wanted me and 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 Jimmy uh, Mayman, one of my co-founders, to stay uh, and 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 help uh, scale AOL. Uh, and you know we really like them. We really like uh, them as people, um, and. Um, and, and, and then uh, we signed a contract. Um, and it was independent of, of, of the deal. It was a, a, a contract for the future because the deal was a cash deal. So, um, so it, was, it, was, it was, you know, more to do again with people and, and what they wanted us to build. So if you could go back in time, Rene, would you sign that deal again? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm very thankful uh, uh, for that experience. And, and quite frankly, AOL was, was, was not for me, but I, I got some really good friends for life uh, in that short period I, I, I spent there. Uh, and, and I really appreciate that. And it's uh, one thing that I've uh, really gotten from you know, getting to know you and, and your story is that you've always surrounded yourself and, and, and built your network in a way in which you seem to be at the right time with the right people. So how do you go about building your own network? So, so I mean, the, the, the simple answer is I don't even know that I'm doing it. It's not even a, 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 anything that I'm thinking about. Um, I'm a very curious person, um, and I like, I like um, when people are, are having big visions. I like when people try to make a difference. Um, and I almost demand from, from people around me that they're trying uh, their best and make a difference. So I've always been attracted to people like that. And, 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 uh, and therefore, I've been very lucky to, to meet interesting people, people who are trying uh, uh, their best. And, uh, and, and therefore, I've been building a, a strong network. But coming from Europe, uh, coming from a small country in Europe, Moving to the UK quite early to London uh, in a in an industry in an ecosystem that didn't exist 
really, but be part of that ecosystem and 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 part of 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 uh, um, something that has been created um, by entrepreneurs, by investors, um, has been phenomenal. And of course, you know, you 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 take you take the steps and you develop as a human being, but you also grow with the people that you're surrounded with. And um, as, as a lot of my clients, historically, a lot of the partners I've had, a lot of the businesses that I've uh, built or joined also enter uh, global markets, so not only Europe, but Asia and the US, have been very lucky to meet driven, ambitious and, 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 and nice people in, in those continents. And therefore, I have a network. So it's been, you know, it's been phenomenal. And some of these people are my, you know, my very dear friends today. And obviously, you had another dear friend from Endemol that uh, asked you for your advice, and this led into another big success story. So, so what kind of advice was your friend at Endemol looking for? Oh yeah, now you're referring to Inon. So uh, yeah, yeah, Inon was the CEO of um, of Endemol, and actually, he was trying to to convince us at Go Viral to sell um, to sell to to Endemol and to him. And that's how we became really good friends. We had lots of mutual friends, uh, both from the neighborhood, but also from business. And, uh, and he really was, is also a very curious person. And he, he wanted to understand a new digital ecosystem. And uh, we talked about what are the next big thing on the internet. And I was convinced it would be entertainment um, because the broadband, again, uh, was getting faster and faster and enable us to do even more things, a lot of social things on the internet. Uh, and he, 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 he agreed with me. And, you know, back then you had Vice, you had a few other interesting companies uh, growing and, and, and I knew Vice very well. Uh, so, so, so basically uh, we together were mapping some of these interesting companies. And before I knew it, uh, uh, and that's typically none. He was all over these companies in in deep conversations. At that time, I was actually uh, in in dialogue with with a private equity trying to buy one of these uh, new fast moving uh, um, video companies. And I can probably uh, 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 tell which one it is here. But it was Machinimat that I was really interested in. Okay. Uh, but for many reasons, it didn't happen. But I was so lucky that I bumped into uh, an old friend, Courtney Halls, who is uh, uh, a very dear friend of mine today, uh, who was just uh, um, joining um, Maker Studios. And he introduced me to Maker Studios, and I was fascinated, right? I was fascinated by, by the founders, by the business, by the movement it was. Uh, and then I uh, introduced Inon at an Excel event, I think, in Munich. Uh, to Courtney and the, and, 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 uh, the maker guys. And um, Inon, again, being much faster uh, uh, than me, um, were all over the company and, and invested in the company. And uh, some months later, he called me and said, Rene, you need to come and join me on this uh, journey. Uh, and I was still in dialogue with Courtney, of course. Uh, and I said, no, I'm not really interested. Uh, promised my wife that I will take it a little bit easy and do some investments and, and, and not really be operational for a while. But uh, Inon is very convincing. So he got me on board. I invested in the company. And the idea was for us to, to raise a lot of money and take it to the next level. 
but then uh, um, then Disney came in and in on because because here Rene basically what you were guys what you guys were doing with Maker Studios was creating and distributing video content was that it no that was more the go viral business uh, with Maker okay. uh, Maker created a platform for uh, um, creators to upload their content to particular YouTube and then be able to get like data and, and, and monetization sorted out by uh, 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 Maker Studios. So it was kind of a studio CMS system uh, who helped creators get discovered uh, and then monetize. Understand. It was what it was what's called back then an uh, uh, MCN. Uh, MCN. It was one of the first and definitely uh, one of the most successful MCNs. Um, and um, yeah, and and then Inon uh, decided uh, uh, that to pursue the the Disney uh, conversation, and and that ended up with with acquisition. Very nice. I mean, obviously, we're talking about a business. You know, you guys had something like uh, 5.5 billion views, monthly views. Uh, you had like 380 million subscribers. So very interesting, uh, you know, uh, business. So so at what point, you know, Disney comes uh, to the table and and why, you know, with this impressive growth, why, why do you guys, you know, decide it's, it's time to pull the trigger on? You know what? Um, I have to say that when I when I knew that this acquisition would happen i didn't sleep that night and i can tell you i never have problems sleeping uh, because i thought uh, it was too early um, however when that is said mcns uh, including maker studios were not businesses right they were phenomenal growth companies um, who created a fantastic revenue growth, but they could never make money. And the, the, the simple reason was that MCNs did not own any IP, any content. So the water flow would never, will never create enough to the pocket when you go through it. So we needed to raise a hell of a lot of money to take the business to a, next level and start investing in our own IP in order to see any margin. Okay. And that's and that's how Disney came into the picture, you know, one of the greatest IP companies in the world. Got it. So, so then so then how 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 did they come into the picture? They came in because of Inon's uh, uh, um, personal relationship with Bob Iger. Okay. So how was doing a deal with Bob Iger? I mean, Bob Iger is saying... I, I, I didn't do any deals with, with Bob. Uh, uh, that was, you know, in non together with uh, Bob's team. Um, so I cannot take the honor uh, at all for that transaction. So, I mean, a $675 million transaction, Rene. Not bad. Yeah. Listen, I'm not going <laughs> to comment on, on, on the number. But it was yeah, not. No it need. was not a bad. It was not a bad outcome. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, very nice. Very nice. And uh, so I guess, I mean, how, how did you celebrate? I mean, what what an outcome. So um, 
quite quite honestly for me the, the the great outcome which i didn't expect was really to spend some time at disney yeah uh, it's a phenomenal company um that is unbelievable uh in their in 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 their focus and unbelievable in their processes and it was quite fascinating to 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 spend time in 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 the company and have in mind being non-american i don't have the same emotional connection to disney like americans for me it's a great brand uh, that have done some phenomenal content over the years that of course all of us have grown up with but you know i don't have any religious uh, connection with the brand you know I, I'm not going to go to Disneyland and get married or, 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 <laughs> or, or celebrate my, uh, my anniversary, but that's how it is in the U S. Yeah. So yeah. understanding no, it, I, it's unbelievable, right? It's, it's so amazing. And understanding that for me was an eye opener, understanding the importance of thinking big and understanding the importance of having brands was phenomenal. It was such a learning curve for me um, that I'm that I'm really really proud uh, of 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 that that I've taken away from from spending uh, you know uh, some years at Disney after the acquisition. Got it. And, and obviously, yeah. once an entrepreneur, Rene, you know, always an entrepreneur, and I guess that working at such a large organization, you know, just like what you were experiencing as a trainee in the European Commission. You know, things go slow. Uh, and obviously in, in Disney, you know, basically you had this idea for, for building a, a strong business, you know, within, you know, the brand. But uh, obviously for them, it was too small. Uh, what, what did you decide to do next with this? What happened? Yeah, you're completely right. So it already started uh, during the Maker Studio time. What was clear uh, in the data from our CMS, remember, we had over 50,000 YouTube channels under management, right? So I could see in my data a lot of what was happening on YouTube, which is probably the biggest free-to-air uh, free uh, network in the world, right? Yeah. Um, and what was clear was that 50% of all the viewership was music-related. But maybe 20%, 25% was kids-related. And I found that very fascinating, um, especially when I dive further into the data and I discovered that what our kids are watching and spending, you know, two and a half hours of their screen time a day watching is what I call mom and pop shops, right? It's no brands that we are aware of. And there's many reasons for that, but that's where our kids are spending two thirds of their time. So I started going further and further into that and say, there's a huge opportunity here, right? Um, to buy these great, great, great uh, content creators who are creating great IP for the new generation that our kids have completely uh, a, a brand uh, affection to and are engaging with every single day and make it better. Create more, stronger narrative, better animation, etc., etc., and then distribute it all over the world and create uh, uh, new digital franchises. Um, and I pitched that internally at, at Disney and uh, uh, um, my two bosses at that time 
which was uh, Andy Bird, who was international president of, of the Walt Disney Corporation, and Kevin Mayer, really liked it. Um, but it needed to find a, a home. And finding a home for, for a new business incubated inside uh, uh, this institution is very, very difficult, especially if it's not creating uh, billions of dollars in EBITDA uh, uh, overnight. And it was a very strong business plan that you know every private equity or every investor will, will, will jump on. Um, but it was difficult. It was difficult in a business that was getting disrupted uh, uh, by streaming um, to, to focus on it, which is understandable. So, then so, um, so, you know, and I said, listen, this is too good to be true. There's a huge market opportunity. There's a, there's a, a market fit, obviously, and nobody is doing it. So I went to, around to a few investors, and one of them, uh, all of them I knew very well from, from the last many years, and one of them was Rain, uh, who is specialized kind of in, 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 in the entertainment industry, broadly speaking. Uh, and for them, it was a no-brainer. They've been looking at the kids space for a very long time, but was waiting for the right business model and the right team. And for me, knowing them very well, and I needed a big check to go and consolidate and invest uh, in, in, in the business, uh, uh, we just did it right away. And again, back to, to your previous question, what, what makes you realize that they are the right partner? And it was clear, uh, you know, Fred, Fred Davies, Joe Ravitz, and, and, and all the rest that, that I knew, Jason, um, you know, I had just good chemistry with. They're great guys. They, they have phenomenal knowledge of the industry, but they're also very, very nice and, and, and good guys. So I thought I, I can definitely go and create a partnership with them and create something big. And that's how Moonbog uh, Entertainment started. And obviously, uh, your your Series A. What a Series A! I mean, it has to be one of the largest ones that I've seen in at least in the last couple of days. I mean, 145 million of a Series A. Not bad. Not not no not bad at all. Um, but you know, it's just a different way of raising money. Uh, first of all, if you have done a few exits before, and if your if your model is uh, to buy uh, IP and grow that way very fast. It's just a different way of raising money. Uh, you go directly to the growth phase rather than, than, than you know, start with, with, with seed capital. Uh, but I guess we all end up this the same place. Um, it just goes faster with such a race from, from day one. Um, and it's just two different strategies. Uh, and I believe that uh, sometimes you need to go full in and, you know, I just spent four, almost four years at Disney, uh, you know, one and a half in an earnout, and then two years afterwards. And as I told you, thinking big uh, is, is, is a very important element of Disney. And, and that's what I, what I took away from it. Got it. So earlier you were talking that you have no problem sleeping at night. Sleeping at night. So let's say that you go to sleep tonight and then you wake up, let's say, in a couple of years from now and... And the, the, this is a world where the vision of Moonbok is fully realized. What does that world look like? Listen, if, if, if I have uh, uh, just got close to my vision, I'll be a very, very proud person. I have not talked to you about my vision, but as a parent, um, 
you know, of, of, of three kids. For me, the vision of, of, of Moonbog uh, Entertainment is, is, is very clear. I want to influence kids around the world just a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit with strong values like compassion, empathy, kindness, and, and resilience and help kids around the world just a little bit uh, develop their life skills. And if I have, you know, lived out that vision and you speak to me in a couple of years and you say, Renee, I think you have actually achieved just a little bit, then I'll be very proud. I'll be very, very proud. So that's the vision uh, with this business. And Great. I think we have a, a, a unique opportunity uh, in, in the times we're living to actually try to be global because there's so many global platforms now speaking to kids all around the world. Uh, and and it's, it's an opportunity that I'm trying to, to implement. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so I guess the, um, you know, there's one question that I always ask the guests that come on the show. And uh, I mean, here you are, you know, you've done the multiple companies. I think that after all these deals that you've done, I think that I've, I've run out of zeros to put on the right-hand side. Uh, I mean, unbelievable. Uh, but um, if you had the opportunity, let's say, to go back, back in time, Rene, and have a chat with your younger self, that younger Rene that perhaps was about to, to launch the first business or to embark on the, on the first business, what would be that piece of business advice that you would give to yourself before launching a business and why, knowing what you know now? So it's a very good question. So I think there's, there's a few things that I, um, that I probably would, will, will, will have told myself. Uh, in, in the first one, Trade Dobler, uh, I would have known the, 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 the rules of the game much better uh, than, than, than I did back then. As I told you, every single element of, of, of the, the, the trip we took was a surprise, good and bad, right? And we were very lucky that we, that we did some, um, some, some, uh, some right choices, but we could easily have done the wrong choices. Yeah. And I think from, from um, besides the, the, the technicality of, of setting up companies, I think what I was lacking in, in the first few businesses was a strong um, impact vision, right? It was much more product and market fit focused. And I think I, I wouldn't say I regret it because I didn't know better. Um, but I would have loved to have a much stronger vision. I think strong vision based businesses get further, um, not particularly financially, but they get further from, from living out and making a difference. Um, so, so I would have wished that. The second thing um, I would have done differently was I would have, with full speed and full power, entered the U.S. right away. Um, I think uh, both in Trade Dobler and Go Viral, although both were successful exit, I think it was a mistake looking back, not going in with full, with full speed into the U.S. Um, right away. And um, yeah, I think that was, that was the learning. And the last one I can, I can probably say is that I would, I would probably, and that's what I'm doing more, understand the business uh, model much better than we did when we started the other companies. 
Um, so that was another thing that was clear for me at Disney. If there isn't a clear business there, um, then you will never, you will never go all the way. And of course, you can you can argue the other way and saying, look at Facebook, look at these phenomenal uh, companies. They may not have had a business model in the beginning, and that's why they're so successful today. So you can argue both ways. Um, but I think the vision part is really, really important, and it's related to, to you know, thinking big. Um, I think these two things are important. And, um, yeah. Well, that's very, very powerful, Rene. So for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Uh, anyone, anyone can always uh, uh, contact me either on, on on one of the social platforms or just write to Moonbog, and I'll come back to them, of course. Fantastic. Well, Rene, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. Thank you for having me. It's cool talking to you. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, Share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.